Shadows in the Cave, I am Zelos, and I took about, I would say about a week and a couple of days off. I was a little burned out, as I told you all in the last episode, um, which was the career uh, guidance episode, that I, w- I was tired, and I was tired. I had a very hectic week, or last couple of weeks, um, but I took a week off. I'm, I'm blessed enough to be able to do that, um, and so... Here I am back, refreshed, ready to go, ready to tackle the issues at hand here. Um, I went out to the mountains for a little bit. I spent time with my friends. I spent time with my loved ones. Um, And and so that's something that I just needed to keep me grounded. And here I am again. So today we're going to talk about a couple of things. But first of all, I know we're coming out of St. Valentine's Day, which is a lot of people tend to have very negative emotions um, on that day and understandably so because um, you know as a society we put a lot of pressures on ourselves during that day which we really shouldn't but you know I think uh, you know there's been a lot of reasons why why we do and uh, you know corporations are are you know they they're definitely to blame for this um, you know, so damn you, Hallmark. <laughs> but um, we we do put a lot of stress on ourselves and a lot of internal pressures, and and we kind of uh, internalize um, that St. Valentine's Day in a negative way. If we tend to be single at the time, or forget about the fact that St. Valentine's Day is supposed to be about for, uh, just expressing love towards everyone. Nobody ever remembers that. It's always just brought down to the bare couples thing, right? Like, it's like, okay, well, if you don't have a couple, then you can't celebrate St. Valentine's Day. Well, yes, you can. You can celebrate it with, with your friends, with your family, um, with your kids, you know? And there's all kinds of things you could do. Even with, you could even celebrate it for yourself. Treat yourself to something. And I'm going to get to that. I'm going to expand on that a little bit. But, you know, there, there's, and keep in mind, and I've talked about this many, many times, St. Valentine's Day is another example of a learned anxiety. And I brought this up in the anxiety episode is that we're not born feeling down on ourselves on a day where we were made to feel like we don't belong, like we're failures. We don't, we're not born with that. We learned that along the way because, unfortunately, we're connected to our community, which in turn at this point means pretty much the entire country. Um, and so a lot of our societal norms um, have negative effect on us. And this idea 
that you're supposed to celebrate your, your your relationship on this particular day, what happens if you don't have one? All of all of a sudden you feel isolated, you feel ostracized ostracized from from society. You have that sense of almost like abandonment, right? Like 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 you're on the outside looking in. And the reality of it is that there's no reason for anyone to feel like that. Because if you're already filled up with love within yourself, you're not going to feel like that. You're going to find ways to promote your self-love for that particular day. And so that brings me to another point. You, It's a good time if you are being triggered on that day, if you are being feeling a little down on that day, to maybe that's a reminder. Maybe, maybe the silver lining of feeling the blues on, on St. Valentine's Day to tell you, wait a minute, if I feel like this, then I might be a little empty. So what does that tell me? That tells me that I have to work on myself. That tells me that I have to work on ways to fill myself up with the love that I need. Because let me tell you something. You can't even begin to love someone if you don't love yourself. You really can't. It's like I always say, you can't off, you cannot offer a person the, the shirt off your back if you're completely naked. You can't do that. <laughs> So you have to work on loving yourself first. You have to establish goals and accomplish them so that you could feed your self-esteem. You have to draw proper boundaries with people around you so that your self-efficacy goes up and that your self-concept gets um, enhanced. And all this leads to a higher level of self-esteem. That's what you have to do. And as, these, as the years go on, you'll start to notice that the right people come into your life and, you know, if, if there's a intimate partner within that, then that's fine. That's great. If there isn't, that's great, too, because you're, you're enough within yourself. Okay? And when these kind of days start coming around and you've put in the work, you start seeing them as just another day. Right? And so to me, it's like, I hope you all had a good St. Valentine's Day. But at the end of the day, I also hope that you had a nice Sunday. Right, because that's all it really, really is. It's, a, it's just another Sunday, and putting that work into yourself will, will allow you to see that. So I just wanted—I'm not gonna make a whole show on that, um, unless you guys want me to, and just give me the feedback if you do, and we'll make an entire episode about that. But for now, I wanted to talk about something that I think is important. That I think a lot of not only couples, but just friendships and you know work relationships. And just engagement with people, there's a big disconnect sometimes. And that has to do with conflict resolution. So I wanted to talk a little bit on this episode about some of the ways in which we could engage in positive conflict resolutions. Now, before we get there, I do want to say that a lot of times when we're there for other people, because I, I got asked this the other day, and they were saying, how do you... How do you give advice when there is nothing to give? How do you how do you make people feel better if you have nothing to say to them as far as you know something that's gonna make them feel better? And I look, I told them, look, listen, it's not even it's not it's not even about that. You know, ninety percent of the time it's not about that. It's not about giving the person the answer because at the end of the day, here's the bottom line: we all have our own journey. We're, we're all in this process of self-discovery within ourselves. And like I said earlier about self-love, everything 
this entire journey that we're on has to be guided and steered by ourselves. We open our own doors. We we conclude our own um, answers because we have we we're the only ones that have the self perspective. You know, from the from the from the point of view of our eyeballs, we're the only ones that carry that. All right. Everybody listening out there, I don't carry your perspective. Only you do. Only you've had your worldview experiences from the moment you were born up until now. Just like I have my own, just like everybody else has their own. And truth be told, that's what gives us our essence. That's what gives us our beauty. That's what gives us our light. The fact that we're so unique to the world. Every single one of us has our own spiritual fingerprint that's unique to ourselves. There's literally no one in this world like that, right? And I think I've talked about it before because it's something that, that I really, it's a philosophy that I really embrace as far as a way to show people how special they really are. But to, to my point, so it's, I don't have any answers for you and nobody does. You have the answers within yourself, but you have to get through a lot of baggage and a lot of emotional um, empty emptiness to be able to get to the answer right and by what i mean by emotional emptiness i mean you have to agitate your emotions steer them out come to terms with them and move on from any negative emotion you might have or any negative core belief that you might have about yourself and be able to come to terms with things for you to have the answers that you need that's how you get to the answers that you need right so the question becomes well what could a person do to be there for people they love and people they care about as a giving person that they see themselves. Well, there's two things you could do right off the hop. And this takes no training. You know, I'm, I'm a trained therapist, so I have interventions to offer people. But two, two, um, two big, I, I would consider them interventions that are free that I'm about to give you and that are easy to do and that, you know, they take no time at all. One is validating what the person's feeling. You might not have the answers for them. You might not try to give them, have no advice for them because you're not experienced what they're experiencing. But what you could do is put weight on what they're feeling. Give validity to what they're feeling. And sit with their feelings with them. Right there. Just sit with their feelings. And that goes so far. That takes you so far. As far as allowing the person to process their emotions. Just validate. Validate what they're going through. Because let me tell you, a lot of times we don't get the validation we need. Actually, a lot of times people are trying to solve our problems. And that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for people to just acknowledge that our feelings are valid. Don't give me the answers. Because at the end of the day, that's from your perspective. Just tell me that. It's okay to feel how I feel right now. And if another human being tells me that, that's going to take me a long way. Right? So we have that. Validating feelings. Then we have, and this is the important one. No judgment in their view of what's stimulating their emotions. Sometimes as friends, we work, we, we, we always say, well, I'm going to keep it real. And I always tell the truth, this and that. That's very selfish. All right? First of all, if you, if you want to open up and share your, your opinions on someone, um, 
you have to allow you have to wait for them to be in a better uh, state of mind you know even if they're doing something wrong you know at that point now if this life threatening or if they're going to be a danger to others or a danger to themselves sure you should intervene and say this is wrong and this is why it doesn't matter what kind of emotional state they're in that's an extreme scenario of course but if it's something that you see where they're not an immediate threat to themselves or others let them process their emotions, validate their emotions, and offer no judgment. Let them be in a better state of mind to then say, this is why I feel. And remember, I always say, I feel. Don't pass on the judgment as a fact. Pass it on as an opinion. And say, this is why I feel that you're making the wrong decision. And every time you're going to offer criticism to somebody, offer a solution in your opinion and try to make it a positive one. So... This is why I feel you're, you made, you're, you're on the wrong track here. You're making the right solution. But let me offer you this, and then you offer them something as a solution. Because when we bombard people with judgments, and we don't give them a solution, all we're saying to them is that you've been wrong, 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 and therefore you're an idiot. And... When people are in a negative state of mind, they're going to internalize that and they're going to start believing that and they're going to feel even worse about themselves. So it's it's very important that we don't pass judgment on, on people. A good practice would be ever, but sometimes you have to, and I understand that. Because sometimes for their own betterment and to provide more perspective, you have to pass judgment on what they're doing. But please always do it, A, with, with a coming in the form of an opinion and B, bringing another solution with you, okay? And if you don't have a solution, then you talk about a solution. What you don't want to do is just pass off the judgment and walk away because then it becomes more about you venting to them about what you think is wrong with them rather than you helping them become better and improve on some of their flaws, right? Which as friends, we should always be trying to do anyway, but you always have to do it within constructive criticism, which means presenting a problem and presenting a solution as well. So those are two things we should focus on, validating feelings and giving, giving, um, opening up dialogue with no judgment, you know. And those are, the judgment part is very difficult because we tend to be very um, organically inclined to pass judgment, unfortunately. So sometimes we got to watch what we say. But there's ways to just give some feedback and, and without it being a judgmental feedback. And, and it goes a long way. Now, if you combine both validating feelings and, and non-judgmental feedback, then you're good. And that person, you, you could be talking for a person or with a person for five hours, right? And you guys could be going over the same problem over and over and over. And you could be expressing your judgmental point of view and they'll be taking it and they'll be crying even more. And they don't even know why they're crying. They're crying because you're making them feel guilty, but they're also still dealing with their problem. And you're not going to get anywhere. Or you could have 30 solid minutes of validating their emotions and providing non-judgmental feedback. And they'll feel so good right afterwards. It's like a weight off their back. Trust me, folks. I get this all the time. And you could move on. And then they could start thinking about putting a plan of action so that whatever negative emotion they, they had could be solved. So that definitely works. So so just I just wanted to add that because 
I, you know, I have something I had to deal with earlier. But right now, let's talk something that's connected to that, and that's conflict resolution. So what is conflict resolution? Well, that's when, uh, you know, you, you engage in an argument with somebody that you care about or anybody in general, really, just another person, right? And there's so many different variables that are at play here. For example, if it's, um, you know, core values have a lot to do with it. If you're trying to argue core values with, with another person, you're never going to get anywhere because of their core values. And we hold on to those. And those are, in a lot of ways, they're very egocentric as well. So once you're dealing with the ego, you're never going to get anywhere. Let me tell you that right off the hop. And there's ways not to deal with the ego. Number one thing that the ego thrives on is emotion. So if you're arguing with somebody back and forth, and the very moment that emotions get involved, that argument will not have a resolution. I'll tell you that right now. It's almost impossible. It's not 100% impossible, but just about. When we start thinking with our emotions, we no longer start thinking in logical terms. We start thinking in very egocentric terms because now we're trying to protect our feelings. And once we're trying to protect our feelings, all logic goes out the window. It's almost like we're in survival mode. So emotions get involved, argument's over. There's not going to be no positive resolution. There might be a resolution, which would be which will be more negative things are going to be said. <laughs> and then it's going to get worse. And then you're still not going to find the, the, the resolution that you wanted to. But I'll tell you this right now. Think, step number one is if emotions are involved, conversation's over. You're not going to find any resolution. So what's the key here? Not to allow it to get to the emotional state. The way for you to do that is for you to express the premise of your argument in clear form right off the hop in a very respectful and low tone manner because if you come aggressively we're social creatures we're primal we're gonna spruce up and all of a sudden it's an argument but it's also a fight right so it's very important you you, you state your premise of your argument and at that point you find you want to find a resolution only for that argument you don't want to use that argument as an excuse to bring up resentments from the past or bring up a thousand different things that happened you know, two, three, four years ago, and you're going to throw it in this person's face because that's going to bring emotion. And what did I say about emotion? Once that's involved, conversation's over. Okay, good. So when it comes to relationships, the idea is not to avoid conflict because let me tell you what. We have you're dealing with two different personalities. All right. And even though there even though there's a chemistry there and even though there's some sort of quote unquote match. And that could be anything. Maybe core values are the same, which is good because that's the start. But the idea here is not to avoid conflict because as people, we're always going to have differences of opinion. So the idea here is to manage conflict. And managing conflict is different than avoiding conflict. Now, obviously, in a perfect world, you do want to match up with somebody that's going to be um, open to positive conflict resolution. Now, what does that mean? That means that they have the emotional IQ to properly express themselves and properly be open-minded to the conflict resolution. Now, of course, we know that that's not the world we live in, right? But I will say this. That's why it's very, very important 
that we choose the right partners that are going to that are going to be in our lives. Remember folks, partners are an investment. They're on invest and 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 that's very non-romantic uh way to say it, right? And it's 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 very dry. It's, you know, what do you mean partners are an investment? They're an investment, you know? And you expect uh, an, a return on your investment. As cold as that sounds, but that's really what what relationships are. And you know, I could go into reason, I could go into equating people to market values, but I'm not going to go that route today. Maybe I'll do a show later on, but it definitely works. So if if your partners are an investment, then you have to do the research on them. You have to you have to understand what kind of core values they have, what kind of emotional IQ they have, because that's going to be very important because you have to live with these people. So if you have insecurities, if you have attachment issues, right? If you have if you have if you have uh fear of abandonment, all these things, all these negative things that you should have worked out already, then you're going to allow those like-minded individuals into your life and you're going to have a life full of conflict. You don't want that. So it's very important that you put the work into yourself and become whole and then you'll start attracting those kind of people into your life. For what reason? For reasons like this, for, for reasons of conflict later on. Because remember, we cannot avoid conflict, but we could manage conflict. And how do we manage conflict? We surround ourselves with the people that are open-minded to managing the conflict in positive ways. See how it's all connected and how the reason why we have to be um, congruent and whole, and, and, and that requires putting in the work in us to figure ourselves out, because then we attract those same kind of people, which in turn allow us to grow together, enhance each other, not complete each other. So I hate that word. I hate when people say they complete each other. That's bullshit. That's Western culture propaganda. But a person could enhance you and make you better if, if you're already at a particular level. Okay? So that's, that's where we want to be because that will save a lot of this that we're going to go through right now. You want to be with a person that's open to conflict resolution that means they understand perspective. That means they understand moods, right? That means they're, they, they, they could see you at where you're at on that particular day with, with, with your emotions and your mood and, your, and your, how you feel physically, mentally, spiritually, physically. Because that all has comes into play when we get instigated into, into engaging in, in, in arguments or conflicts. So a person that's open-minded to that. And sees, okay, this person's here today. I'm going to come at them with an argument, but I understand where they're at. And, I, and I'm willing to meet them where they start. That's, that's, a, that's a person that's highly, that has a high emotional IQ. And, and that's the person, so the kind of people that we kind of want to be associated with. So you want to always discuss your problems. Even, even, even if they don't have a, a 100% resolution. Because again, problems could be synergize from all kinds of things going on around your day so even though even though they present themselves as one problem they, there could be micro problems attached to that one big problem so it, sometimes it's not possible to completely solve an argument with your partner um, but it's it's very important that you present a positive um, not not so much an uh, a positive argument but you know a constructs uh, you discuss uh, your 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 issues in, in a constructive way, and that provides input 
into where you're at at that time with that person. And really, sometimes that's all you really want to do. Sometimes that's really just kind of remind someone where you're at. Because what happens is that we start being afraid of expressing ourselves. And that builds resentment, right? And then it builds passive-aggressive behavior. And that's where you don't want to be. That's the worst place to be in a relationship. And I'm even talking about friendships, not just so much romantic relationships or even with family. So so all these all these things working together at that point. But so so sometimes you just want to present the argument to reestablish your boundary and say, this is bothering me. This is where we're at. Just give me a little bit of feedback. We don't have to solve it, but just know that this is where we're at. And if 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 nothing happens from here, then there's gonna be resentment building up later on. So anyways, so we've talked about how both partners have to be emotionally calm when speaking and the listener should be listening. They shouldn't, they shouldn't be thinking about what they're going to say next because sometimes when people are talking to us, we're not even listening. We're just thinking about what we're going to say next and we miss a lot of nonverbal cues, body language, and even some of the stuff they said. So the listener should just be attentive to what the speaker says. And the speaker should be soft and, you know, start, they, they, should, they should start with their feelings by using I statements and, and asking for the needs to be met in a positive and respectful way. That's, that's how we deal with conflict, right? Um, so what else, what else is there? I do these off the cuff, by the way, folks. I don't really take notes. That's why. That's why I, I, I flabbergasted throughout the entire thing. Okay, sorry about that. That's just my style. Um, so tips to effectively navigate conflict. You know, you could take a 20-minute break if things get too heated. Again, because what do emotions bring? They bring nothing to the argument, and you will not find a resolution. So if things get too heated, walk away, distract yourself, uh, do something soothing, you know, and just calm yourself down. And when you return, uh, you give the floor to that person or that person might give it to you. But only one person should have the floor um, to talk while the other while the other person listens. No interruptions. Zero interruptions. So you use the I statement and you express your needs. And, you know, for example, you could be like, could I ask you something? I felt embarrassed when you spoke down to me in front of our friends. Can you please be aware of that in the future? And you're, so in that, you're, pre- you're, you're, you're presenting the premise of the argument. You're presenting a possible um, uh, solution to the, argu- to the argument. And you're also expressing how that person made you feel within the argument. So as you could see, you're knocking three birds with one stone. And it's all done in a respectful way. You're not screaming at the person. Be- why? Because you haven't allowed past resentments to build up. People start screaming because they're like a bomb that goes off. It's like almost that they're at their wit's end. And we talked about this in the Four Horsemen of Divorce episode that I did a few weeks back. When people go at you and they're very um, emotionally activated, a lot of times it's because A, they have a very low emotional IQ and they internalized a lot, of, or B, they've held a lot of resentment. And that's because there's no com- communication in the relationship. So all of a sudden, a simple... They felt embarrassed when you spoke down to them. Turns into, I have felt embarrassed, angry, upset, etc., etc., over the last three, four years for things that I haven't told you. But I'm gonna just bomb on you with this one 
question and just put all that rage and resentment in that one statement. See, so you you don't want to build that. You wanna you wanna every time there's an issue, talk about it, express it, communicate, and and come up with a resolution. That's why you, that that way you're tackling these as they go along instead of allowing them to just build up over time, which is something that a lot of people do. Why? Because they fear getting into arguments. They think that if they get into an argument, it's not going to have a resolution. And if you think that, well, then you've, you've kind of worked yourself into this vicious circular pattern of, of, of self-sabotage. Okay? You can't, you can't go into an, you can't be afraid of an argument with the fear that it's, it's going to either make things worse or, or not have any resolution because then you, you've, by default, made things worse. A lot of people don't think about it that way because they just want that instant gratification of like, I didn't go through the anxiety of that emotional outburst from the argument, so I'm good. No, you're not good. All you did was put the emotions back inside of you. And guess what? Emotions don't go anywhere. They come out in all kinds of different ways, including resentment and passive aggressive behavior. So anyways, another thing to do is to use repair attempts. You could say key phrases to help your partner see that you are not trying to, that you're trying to understand and de-escalate the conflict. Like you could apologize or maybe use humor, you know, depending on what kind of rapport you guys have and how much understanding you guys have. You know, you don't want to use humor and at the wrong time, especially when they don't really have a good idea of your sense of humor, right? But you could say something like, I hear you, I understand, you know, and and here's the thing, it's respectful to them, right? And you have to be the better person. Let's say for an argue, for argument's sake, you don't understand. That but it's not about you at this point, because if you really care for someone and they're and they're they're giving you their opinion, and not only are they giving you their opinion, they're very they're being very specific. So you can't sit there and say they're playing games, right? This person is being specific to you with their needs and, and what's bothering them. And so the best thing for you to do, and what did I say earlier? You validate their feelings. You say, I understand. You know, and just those two little words, I understand, would take you so far because you're 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 validating the person's emotions and you're saying, you know what? Well, you just told me matters. It matters in this relationship. And Let's try to work it out. But but before we even start to try to work it out, I'm a, I, I understand where you're coming from. So that's a great building block to take you to the next step. And that's going to de-escalate. At the very least, it, hopefully it will de-escalate the argument or the conflict for that night. And then later on, you guys could work on a, on a resolution. So a lot of times, what you want to do is you want to de-escalate the emotional factor. Because again... What I say, you get emotions involved, conversation's over. So sometimes it's all about de-escalating the emotional factor. And sometimes you de-escalate by just allowing them to have the better hand, even if you yourself don't understand it. But it's very unselfish if you say, I understand. And if you if you if there's a genuine part of you that means it. Because even if you don't understand. You know they're hurting. You know you know that, that that you stimulated a negative emotion in them. So if you care about them, you you want to understand. So just by you saying I understand, and 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 wanting to understand, and I certainly hope you do because if you don't, that's that's gonna make you 
a lot very selfish because you can't always be right. So, so you say I understand, and the person would take that and ex- and and accept it as a validating statement to their emo- to what they're feeling, and and hopefully that'll de-escalate everything from getting worse for that night. So, um, but yeah, you could apologize, use a little bit of humor. Um, body language is important. You know, you could nod your head. You could nod your head. You could make eye contact. Um, offer physical gesture of affection. You know, there's a lot of nonverbals uh, that 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 are at play here because we as human beings are always communicating with everything in our body. You know, not just not just our language, not just our our, our vocal cords, not just our mouth. Everything in our body is talking to us when we're emotionally distressed. So you could learn to pick up on all the other cues as well. So, um, so there's other there's other things that I wanted to get get through really quick. Um, we also have what well, we have. Uh, we 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 could discuss past emotional injuries. You know, they, they, we could call them triggers um, that 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 happen prior or during the relationship. You know, um, I think. There's a there's an author that calls them attachment injuries. So these these can create resentment from past events that have gone unresolved, and these frequently involve breach, breaches of trust. So, um, and it is very crucial to avoid being negative when discussing triggers because triggers what are they connected to? They're connected to emotions. So you both parties need to speak calmly and understand that both of your viewpoints are valid, even if you disagree. All right, that's the key thing there. So the goals are to gain comprehension of each other's perspective and to acknowledge that regrettable incidents are unavoidable in long-term relationships. So rather than even if you disagree, you you could you could gain an understanding of what they're going through if you're open-minded enough to do so. So anyways, that's where we're at right there. So a person should be able to discuss the five steps that are going to help you cope with emotional injury. Now, let me let me preface that by saying that a person should be working at a higher level of emotional IQ during this time. OK, but a couple, when they're trying to engage in more positive conflict resolution results, should be able to describe how they feel. Um, they should be able to express their individual personal realities. Right. They should be able to explore any underlying triggers. Now that's the key word because triggers could be subconscious, and if you haven't put the word into your the work into yourself, they could come out without you even knowing. So that's very important, and that's why putting the work into yourself is it's crucial in, in in being able to build positive relationships. Taking responsibility and apologizing are the other two steps, right? And possibly forming productive plans for healing in the future. So again, as you could see, just by the language that I'm using here, it takes a highly emotionally IQ person to be able to successfully develop these plans and be able to engage in a positive conflict resolution. So, um, but other other things at work here, other other things that we could do, you could offer a genuine apology to your partner, regardless of your argument or disagreement with their perspective. You know. Focus on focus only on the fact that you hurt your partner and that you need to take responsibility. I practice that one all the time. If I'm in an, in an argument with a, my significant other or my friends or whomever, um, 
I, I always go back, and, and to me, it's like, you know, I, I feel like they, they, I'll apologize because I want to understand where they're coming from, right? And even if their perspective is not clear to me, I think I have an idea. So I, I, I try to focus on the fact that my partner's hurt and that I should take some responsibility for that and I, sh and I should apologize for that. That doesn't mean I'm going to beat myself over it because, again, I don't have the entire perspective figured out yet. So it could also be that I have to respect my boundaries and what and, and I'm not going to be accountable for the whole thing. But there is some sort of accountability just for the fact that this argument which takes two people hurt them. And so that that's what I'm apologizing for, right? And and with that said, you know, you could verbalize what you can what you can take responsibility for, as well as any other factors that played into into you getting caught up in the fight. So, for example, I'll, I'll give you an example here. Like like, okay, so I was too harsh when I spoke to you, or I was stressed all day and I took it out on you, and it happens. It happens again. It happens organically sometimes. We might have a horrible day at work. And there we are lashing out, right? And it happens, and sometimes it takes some reflection to say, you know what? I came at them in a with a very negative attitude because my day kind of put me in that in that negative attitude, and I want to apologize for that. So, and then you ask your partner what they need from you to heal and move forward. So now you're asking them, and you sh you know you should always follow through on the request, you know, but. But at the same time, you'll be surprised how many people don't have an answer for that because they themselves are so insecure and so egocentric that they don't have an answer what they need to heal and move forward because all they're used to is constant conflict and argument. So it's almost like you're, they use that to identify the relationship. And then when you give them the option to what do you need to heal and move forward, they don't have one because if they had one, they wouldn't argue anymore and thus their own identity will be stripped away from the relationship. And then that's very deep stuff, but it happens all the time. So another thing too is that couples are often either gridlocked or in dialogue on their per perpetual problems. I said earlier how people could speak about stuff that happened years ago. And, you know, research suggests that these problems concern personality differences or core fundamental needs. So being in dialogue, the, which is the preferred status, is when the couple has learned to accept their differences on that topic, even though minor arguments might arise occasionally. But overall, the couple has made peace on the issue, and they agree to disagree. There's a lot of times when we're going to have to agree to disagree. Now, if something is, is rooted within our core values, that's a whole different deal, and that might be a deal breaker. For example, if you have a different definition of what being in a relationship is, that might be a big problem. If you want kids and, and she doesn't want kids, that might be a big problem, okay? I'm just letting you know right now. And there might not be any solution to that because those are core value ideas. So it's very important that we differentiate and that we choose the right partner for that reason. But minor things, definitely there's possible for uh, people to agree to disagree. So moving from gridlock to dialogue involves examining the meaning and dreams that form the basis for each partner's steadfast perspective. So each partner may be able to find a way to honor their partner's dreams, which often amounts to fulfilling a core need regarding the issue at stake. So those couples who successfully navigate a, recur a recurring problem in the relationship have learned to express acceptance of their partner's personality 
and they can talk about and appreciate the underlying the underlying meaning of each other's portion of the issue. So you see what I'm saying there. Um, so at this point, it's about recognizing the other person's entire um, attributes as a human being, and even though you might not agree with them, you have enough uh, in common to where you could you could um, understand them and in a roundabout way put up with that, right? So, um, so lastly here, I wanted to talk a little bit about speaking and listening. Like I said earlier, you have to listen, right? You can't just be watching them move their mouths and you thinking about your comeback. That's not going to get you anywhere. You have to listen. And as the speaker, you have to communicate clearly and honestly, you know, where does your perspective or position on the issue come from? Tell them that. And what does it symbolize to you? Tell them that. What kinds of lifelong dreams or core issues are at stake for you? Tell them that. All these things that are important have to be put on the table. And as the listener, you have to create a safe space for the speaker. You know, with no judging, no argument, no getting loud. And, you know, don't give advice or try to solve the problem. I said that earlier. Just show genuine interest in what your partner is telling you. And allow them enough time and space to fully communicate their concerns. Ask questions so that you both fully explore the issue and related meaning to it, right? And then find ways to create small compromises that can pave the way for the larger compromises later on. So if your goals and dreams differ, try to find areas where they overlap or try to make plans to give each other's partner's dreams a chance to grow and become reality, right? It's not about working together in a non-egotistical way. But once you start getting emotionally stimulated, the ego is going to come because the ego is trying to protect you. And at that point, there is no uh, positive outcome to the argument. So anyways, I'm going to stop right there because we've been going on for 40 minutes and my, and my voice is getting very hoarse at this point. So thank you for listening. Again, you could you could uh, find me on Twitter, Shadows in the Cave or Edozelos80. People have found me in different ways, so I don't know which one works best. And or I'm a dead boy lost in L.A. on Instagram which is a personal Instagram, but you could message me on there. I want to thank everybody for listening. Um, again, we're on, we're on uh, Apple um, Podcast, so you could leave me a review there, preferably a five stars, so it could, it could uh, help us with the algorithm of the, of the podcast. And thank you all for listening, and um, we'll catch you down the road. Thank you.